0: Hey there friends, Jay Revel here. Welcome to another episode of Mid-Am Crisis. I am so glad to have you listening in today and I'm sorry that I haven't been able to bring these episodes to you with the frequency with which you maybe have become accustomed to. A lot going on in the old life these days. Uh, uh, My son was born back this fall. That's uh, certainly had an impact on my time. My business is flourishing, which I am thrilled about, and I've got a new book out, which I've been promoting quite a bit. Uh, Hopefully you've heard that, and hopefully you've bought a copy. It's called Swing, Walk, Repeat. Um, There's also a little bit of news uh, in my personal life that's pretty interesting. I recently filed for public office uh, here in Tallahassee to run for uh, the Leon County Commission, which I'm very excited about. Politics has always been, um, local politics, I should say, has always been an important part of my life, and Uh, it's time for me to lean in and engage there. So that's going to have an effect on my podcast scheduling a bit, uh, too, as we're out on the campaign trail in the year ahead. But uh, this week, however, as we close out 2021, I do have a wonderful episode for you. Uh, That is with the founder of Seamus Golf, Akbar Chisti. Uh, Akbar has become a good friend over the years. He's someone that I love to talk golf with. Uh, if you're not familiar with their brand, you probably have been hiding under some rock somewhere. Uh, they are one of the many great handcrafted accessory companies that has blossomed out on the Oregon coast uh, in recent decades. Uh, I think, in, you know, no coincidence uh, that has coincided with the rise of places like Band and Dunes. Um, Akbar was kind enough to give me some time to come on the show, catch up, tell their story talk a lot about the history of golf in Oregon and talk about how you know what we call the rise of the internet golfer has helped uh, create this market opportunity for companies like theirs. Uh, They make these incredible handcrafted tartan head covers, hand forged ball markers. Uh, If you know them, if you are a fan of their work, uh, you've probably got tons of it just like I do. Uh, But it's a way to stand out on the golf course. And I think that um, Uh, In a world where a lot of people sort of blend in, Uh, Seamus is a product for those maybe looking to step out a little bit. So uh, I loved having him on the show and diving into his entire world. Uh, He's just such a kind and and generous guy. If you haven't ever had a chance to listen to him, I think you're going to really, really love what you hear uh, in our discussion. Uh, So definitely stay tuned for the rest of the show. You're going to want to hear that out. It's just a, a wonderful golf chat. Uh, again, and as always, our show is brought to you by my friends at Imagine Golf. Uh, I just wrapped up a really cool series with those guys. Uh, my friend Sidney Matthew, who is the world's foremost expert on all things Bobby Jones, we had him on the app doing a seven-day series about how to think like Bobby Jones. It's one of my favorite pieces I've helped them produce. And uh, if you're not a subscriber to the Imagine Golf app, you should go and download that and go check that out, uh, under, uh, if you just search Bobby Jones on the app, you'll find it, uh, really, really cool. A lot of great other things coming up on the imagine golf app. And finally, you heard me mention my book earlier. If you haven't had a chance, I would love for you to go out and take a look at that. Grab yourself a copy. We've had so many people who uh, have reached out and told us how happy they are to get a copy under their Christmas tree this year. Uh, they have been really moving, uh, gotten some incredible messages about people who are reading the book and finding a lot of themselves and their beliefs about the game in it. You can find that book, Swing, Walk, Repeat, at back9press.com. That's back9press.com. So go get yourself a copy. Make sure you download that Imagine Golf app. And most of all, go check out what Akbar and his team is doing at Seamus Golf. You can find them at seamusgolf.com. So, Without further ado, here is my conversation with Seamus Golf founder, Akbar Chisti. Enjoy and have a blessed New Year's.
1: Akbar. Hello. How, are you? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How you doing, buddy?
2: Great. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: It is an absolute delight to speak with you. Uh, Been a minute since I've seen you. I think, uh, you know, uh, usually see you down around uh, PGA show and lingering around Winter Park, but we hadn't all gotten together in a little while. So it's good to hear your voice.
2: I know. We're lucky to have things like social media. I can kind of catch up on stuff with you. I mean, I just have seen the book cover. I ordered the book. I can't wait to get to it. The artwork's beautiful. I'm sure the words are great. I've been a fan of your writing for some time
1: well i appreciate that yeah the book's been a, a really cool project labor of love uh I, you know i wish i could take credit for the the beauty of the artwork but my man uh our man dave basden uh Brother just dave. does just he's so tremendous i every time he does something it just it moves me and uh it's been a real blessing to know him and have him illustrate some of my words over the years and Uh he did a cool job, you know, putting my man uh Leon and me on the cover for this one and excited for people to get it. Excited for you to get it, excited to hear what you think.
2: Yeah, for sure. I can't wait.
1: How's um how's business these days? Y'all uh y'all rocking and rolling?
2: We're rocking and rolling, you know, it's uh harder to make stuff, harder to get things done, but you know, there's an unprecedented demand in golf, uh, specifically in the category of where we are at, which is uh really tied to, you know, what golf's about. And we try to focus on that. And now as that part's become a greater interest, there's been, you know, just such an opportunity to connect with golfers and create some great stories that go through products that we make uh here at our shop.
1: I um uh, I've always, you know, been on the lookout. For brands that just make me kind of stop in my tracks, right? And I remember I think the first time I ever saw something you guys had posted, you know it was probably a picture of a tartan head cover where you know I, I just was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa that that's different. That's really cool. It you know, just had that hand made you know rough hewn look to it. And I think the first one I ever bought was through the Seamus bingo y'all are doing, you know, where you kind of. Oh, the roulette. Roulette, Seamus on the roulette. roulette. Yeah. I love, so I was like, was you know.
2: Connected I, through the roulette. That's the, that's like my favorite. We got to do one of those.
1: Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Y'all were promoting that. You're just like, Hey, Seamus I- roulette, you know, choose from a driver head cover. We're going to just send you one. And I was like, cause I couldn't decide what I wanted. And I ended up getting this one that was had these beautiful shades of green in it. And that, and I like built my whole golf setup off of how, you know, that color scheme, cause I liked it so much. Really? Um, but yeah, just, I remember it caught my eye and I was thinking, man, how cool is this? And we, we were talking about it, uh, you know, recently, I feel like we live in this age where those kinds of businesses not only are, are possible, but, uh, have started to really propagate throughout the game. And, and I feel like y'all were kind of, you know, uh, some of the the forefathers on that front. How, so how did, how did that happen? How do you get into making tartan head covers and, and, you know, changing the way people feel about their setups?
2: Uh, I, uh, I, I'm a golfer, you know, I like to play. I grew up playing here in, you know, Portland area, Beaverton specifically. Um, And I had always been really into little accessories and stuff. I was a bigger boy. I didn't really fit in the shirts and all that other stuff. So I was always had a keen eye for, you know, whether it was collecting divot tools or ball markers or, you know, head covers. And I had one from Royal Troon that my dad brought me back. And that was, um, he brought it back for me when I was working at Pacific Dunes in 01. So I was working in the shop then. And I would just rock it, and everybody loved it, and I loved it too. And I kept it for many years. And um, after I met my wife Megan, she went in to fix it. And her her background is she was an apparel designer for Pendleton Woolen Mill, make blankets, but she did women's wear. And what that meant is that she knew a lot about wool. And Pendleton is a Pacific Northwest operator; they basically own the land they have sheep they shear them they I mean there's they connect with other farmers and then they make wool here in Oregon and Washington and so what they are making is one side of it is like a very Native American driven business which is connected in culture there the other side of it is you know they'll do more fashion forward materials and fabrics Um, but when we started they were really big into tartans and they were making Hmm. um basically Pendleton shirts are you familiar with those oh yeah
1: yeah I, I I actually have a towel that you guys made uh through Pendleton yes that is incredible I've had it for years and I get so many comments on it and i back yeah. I have Pendleton blankets out at our farm that I thought yeah. were cool way before I ever knew what they were you know absolutely um, well
2: they yeah they it's all 100% virgin wool which is like they don't pick up what falls down in the weaving process and put it in the little shards and stuff it's like really good quality but the Pendleton shirt which is what our fabrics made out of uh at least in the beginning was a lighter weight it was about 11 ounces we use a much heavier weight fabric now from Scotland mostly but Mm -hmm. they were making these shirts and these shirts were like really iconic uh the shirting weight of a Pendleton tartan um it's just a beautiful hand and it's just a great material and they have overruns and i'll tell you what they had no use for them <laughs> you know like when people would buy them and make like kind of little stuff but we were like this is golf like i i love that and so when my wife was fixing mine she's like i'm gonna make some out of these other you know remnants from from work and i was very excited when she started doing that i'd be like oh. <laughs> can you make another one? Why? I gave it away. I gave it away. <laughs> can do that a few times. And then, you know, I, I, this is like 08, 09. We need to start the business till 11. Um, and so one of those friends was a buyer at and Dunes. And it was around the time where Megan wanted to change what she was doing. She wanted to work like less, which didn't ever really happen, but also she wanted to she's always been so independent as have I, I've always been into business, but frankly, as a CPA, I didn't really have like, I didn't think I was like entrepreneur type, but it sort of happened. The um, friend was a buyer abandoned and uh, another friend was, was now <coughs> assistant GM, Jeff Simons. Um, he was the director of golf. I met with them and gave them some samples and over some time and some feedback. They helped us figure out, kind of like, you got to put a logo on it. Oh, really? Okay. We'll figure that out. Um, they became our first account, and that was in 2011. So, if you put a post into the ground as to when we would launch, it was then. But, you know, at that time, the landscape was different. We were very inspired by a guy named Todd Rohr, who was running McKenzie Golf Bags. Mm-hmm. He was like, um, Really close family friend. I mean, I would call him Uncle Todd sometimes. He's one of the first people I ever smoked a cigar with. I was like 13 <laughs> years old with my dad and him. Is probably should have never been doing that, but could have been doing anything at that age. Right. Really. um So, so I i would go into his shop and talk about what we were doing, and like you know, we delivered to in and he's like, Hey, have you gotten into like Cypress Point? At the time, was this pro like Casey Reamer? He's like, You should check these guys out. Start. He starts helping me out um he's since moved on I think he's got another golf bag company McDonald leather goods but yeah. we just uh had a few friends so he he kind of shared our stuff I went to the show um I went to the show with Chris Carnahan and at that time Jones hadn't happened yet they were about to get going he was making wedges hmm. but we go and at the show is when he was like hey dude there's this thing called Instagram so this is Carnahan from Jones saying like, Akbar, you need to do Instagram. I'm like, I have Facebook. I got enough going on, man. I don't <laughs> Instagram. And I was really slow to it. And then he's like, no, really. Take those photos, put them on Instagram. It'll be cool. I'm like, okay, yeah. All right. Well, I know like three people here, whatever. So this was like, you know, golf at that time, it, it was like around the same time that like people like Golf Digest were getting started. Ashley Mayo became a great voice for golf. We were, you know, kind of mutually kind of getting into the space of, you know, a company that was doing great uh, social media was True Linksware. Rob Rigg. He started that company with a few people, and it was very, the narrative was very focused on walking golf uh, and enjoying the walk, and so they too were, frankly, an inspiration to us. Um, so you got McKenzie, and you got True links, where both companies have since been through very big changes uh, and have found great success in the recent years, which is like really great to see. It's inspiring for us to see that companies and brands can last for that long yeah. uh, in golf, because there are some that don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and these are two that were really fixated on what golf is about, uh, and in that process, you know, you had jones launch and that was when carnahan went and joined the lemon family so you know they started at the same time i was working accounting for a real estate developer and for jones hmm. and then running seamus and then megan was at home cutting and sewing and we had our baby that year
1: 2000 oh my gosh
2: 13, 13 sorry yeah um <clears throat> so that's that's kind of raw beginnings and jones and us we worked together hand in hand and like you know i'd meet people and we'd work on stuff together like when grayson was launching and when like eric lang was getting started which was like more like 14 he was doing a be the ball thing mm-hmm. uh, you know i i kind of went all in and trying to get him into like features and just sharing everybody i knew from places that he could go and shoot you know some of his content to whatever I just thought that he was on the great path um you know and then in there we meet people like Dave based in you know he just did a painting of our stuff and we had some head covers made up for um a friend of ours who plays on tour in the masters and that was like a great
1: yeah at least with that
2: Matt Kuchar and uh Haif came along sometime around that time frame too he was working He was working at um, some sort of software company and I encouraged him to like get into this and Sugarloaf guys, Ian Gilly, Harrison Lewis, they've stayed at my house a couple times, you know, when they were getting started, there were Sugarloaf was always something that Ian wanted to do. And uh, I didn't fully get it, to be honest. I was like, what is this thing of putting like a logo on? You're just going to put your logo on stuff and yeah, we're going to buy it. Like that doesn't make any sense. God, look at me now he's been incredibly successful, not only with that, but then, you know, they've done so much branding work. I mean, I love what I've seen from like number four at mm-hmm. Pinehurst, so good, brilliant work. And, you know, you start thinking about what happens is each one of these people comes on board and starts to tell a different narrative. Malvin golf, when he was getting started, we were like down there doing stuff to help him launch, you know, ultimately we kind of became that first brand that companies would work with and we would share a lot about these brands and they would share about us. And so there's this cross pollination that, you know, the golf space may have been perceiving to be growing, but really it was coming closer together.
1: Yeah, I agree. With you. There was, there, you, there was this movement that was happening sort of, it felt like a the golf underground, right. And it was all kind of bubbling up on, on social media and and it, it, I can remember being at a couple of different gatherings and it was some of the first times where you would like meet people in person you know you'd be meeting these faces you'd be seeing online and you could tell that something was this was just brewing right like you're like okay there's right. there's something to this and um, I remember one time I went to a sugarloaf event that was at Sweetens. yeah um, I don't know that's been I don't know four five six years ago now yeah and it just there was just energy on the ground and I was like this is this is pretty cool right um and and like you said a lot of it is based around the same principles right walking just camaraderie going back you know old school you know mentality about the game of golf appreciating architecture appreciating being in nature together and when you have all those different you know brands and brands identities kind of singing the same tune you start to see more and more people following along more and more people saying yeah that that's me that's what i'm looking for
2: and it's it's great you know if you were to look at all these points like even you know you with your book like i like to think of it as like a solar system you know and like where (laughs) where are these guys fitting in with it and like the sun, and you know, we haven't even gotten to talk about where the sun is on this. Yeah. And if you think about our great success, like I think that there's the camaraderie about what golf is about, but this is more of a cultural movement. There's a problem in golf that still exists today, and it's that you know, inclusivity is not necessarily a thing. Now that can be youth, that can be it can be age driven, it could be how you look. Could be how you talk there's a very singular type of person that was playing golf in all these great places right. before this movement came about where these are all people a lot of them that grew up never knowing what a redan from from a Beritz or having no clue about what golf architecture was but appreciating it so much that once they start to get a taste for that that palette shifted i would I would put that palette shift starting with Bannon and Dunes. And in all of this time, you see our growth, you see these other brands and individuals coming up at the same time with Instagram. But when we started, there was no Sand Valley. There was no stream song. You know, places locally like Waverly had never been touched by Gil Hans. Yeah. They were about to, yeah. Gil was about to do Waverly. Imagine trying to get Gil today to go do Waverly.
1: Yeah, it is possible.
2: Yeah. We are very lucky to have some work from Gil on a Chandler Egan validating even that. You got a couple mm-hmm. of those that need some work here. So you have this movement for golf course architecture. And again, that flows down from where's the sun on that? You go, know, Pete Dye, right? Pete yep. this the family there. Is it Alice Dye, his wife? Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: That he's just like, I go to a place that's like a Pete Dye down in hawaii and uh they call it like jurassic park have you heard of this
1: course <laughs> no
2: Vocals sounds like it. i
1: need to though
2: it's great and i came back what course is called No, it's, i'm gonna have to google this later <laughs> the the course was sick it's not a walking course yeah and i came back and i was like what is this who did this course i gotta find out and i was hanging with jim urbina and i'm like dude this course like the blah, blah blah this is like this like what's the deal with it he's like well it was a Pete diet I'm like what about it he's like well then somebody else finished it I was like what happened they couldn't afford it they built a big parking lot I was like oh yeah they did be able to put parking lot and then I finished it I was like so you did it he's like yeah I built that course I'm like you built that course that course is so sick the bunkering is dope he's like yeah it's I, I just did it and, you know the reality is I did a lot of the shaping there and there's like there's these people that work for Pete diet that worked on some of these great courses that have great notoriety that then began doing their own stuff and you know i mean gil hans is working with dope like the people that were working on the crew that made pacific dudes. look at look at that
1: yeah incredible i mean it's a you know look you at know. who
2: went on to do what um did kyle franz that worked on it you yeah. know kai golby worked on old mac look at what he's doing now with the tree charm he's done wine valley we were lucky to get him during the i mean you got the golf courses are changing now too so it's i don't know i can blab on for days oh
1: listen this this show is all about blabbing on this yeah yeah it's you you make some some good points there too because it it's like some of the products and the brands that started emerging at the same time you did were also directly tied, I think, to the fact that you had, you know, places like Bandon starting to come online, this exceptional golf available to the public. You know, there's always been a lot of public golf, but most of it was maybe not the grandest uh, experience. Um, You know, think of how many daily fee places there are in the country that, you know, yeah, you get to go play golf, but it might be kind of pretty it might be in a decent place but most of them are surrounded by homes or they're your golf cart only mm-hmm. you know kind of usually in places that were sort of pieces of land that were premier you know this yeah. place where they could turn into something and then yeah. all of a sudden you start getting these places that you know once people started traveling to them and the word gets out i mean people are having you know these like transcendental type golf experiences and you don't want to go back to that old stuff anymore. In mm-hmm. fact, you start looking for ways to bring those elements to other places near you. You right. start seeing people trying to renovate their home courses and you're right. seeing it now at a point where um, even, you know, at the municipal level, places like winter park, places like Belmont, right. and Richmond, you know, where right. uh, what's going on with the national links trust, right. money is coming in, interest is pouring in. We've we've kind of hit past the tipping point now. People know what the difference between good and great is, yep. and they're willing to go and pay for it uh, and put it in out in front of the public. And I think uh, again, brands like yours are, are a big part of that movement because it helped pull people into that scene. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I think that
2: by being a part of what was going on at Bandon. Um, we became kind of a communication tool for the way a bag looked tool. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm saying, but really like people at golf are all about logos, right? Yeah. So like you walk up and you see a logo, then you know that this person has been to this place and there's something to talk about or not, <laughs> you know, it's like the reality is most times there is, it's like, oh man, that's cool. Or, but then if you're talking about like what's new and what's cool, there was a period of time where we were the first kind of ones that were really becoming like, oh, you put that in your bag, all of a sudden you're like, oh dude, you must like, where are you playing? Where have you been? Where are you going? What yeah. are you doing? You know. And so that part of it was really cool to be part of. At the time, I would have had no clue that's what we were being part of. Today, I think that's what we were part of. And there's a lot of ways to identify somebody uh, that's gonna be cool to play golf with. And it's real. that's that movement, right? Um, that's that culturally kind of more progressive movement where it isn't
1: about is your cummerbund tucked in. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, I, I always enjoy studying, um, you know, I guess you'd call, I I might call myself an amateur behavioral psychologist, right? I love, I love getting into behavioral economics and, um, there's, you know, the the concept of signaling, right? And, and I, I think, you know, if someone slaps a Seamus golf head cover, a tartan head cover on their bag, you're sending a signal out in the world and someone else comes up to you. They see that they recognize it. Yeah. And all of a sudden they know that they can have a conversation with you, maybe at a deeper level about things going on in the game than they could everyone else who's out at the course yeah. that day.
2: Sure.
1: And that's a big deal to me because I, yeah. I, you know, my wife and I always joke. You know, she's like, "Oh, you're you're talking to one of your you know internet golf friends again." You know? Sure. Oh, it's it's a crazy. Absolutely
2: thing. right. I mean, that's what it's become. Like, we got as many golf bags as some women have purses. It's <laughs> the whole process of like, who am I playing with? Where am I playing? What do I want to use? Yeah. And the head cover is like picking a tie. It is. It so, is. Uh, a lot goes into it. To me, you know, you're playing with people to connect with them. And Hmm. if you have something that comes across and it's worth talking about, it should be a representation of something you give a shit about.
1: That's right.
2: And so if you really give a shit about the brand who made your club, then you keep that covered. But once you start playing, you realize it's not about the brand of your club. You're like, I just like my dog. So I'm gonna get this stuff, dog head covered. And to me, if I see that, I'm like, good. Mm -hmm. do that you should represent who you are because golf doesn't give you a lot of ways to communicate who you are when it's mostly a white polo and tan slack space yeah so uh and especially now that's changed back then it was i mean it was like like i had a superman head cover when i first played manatees (laughs) and a tartan one yeah first of all it meant who knows but you know it was just kind of like yeah it's cool whatever you're not gonna wear a superman sweater <laughs> you're playing golf right <laughs> i honestly hope not it's it,
1: it i i think it's funny like you said you know we we've gotten a place now where people are uh, maybe more comfortable expressing um their own personal style in the game sure. um I mean, everything was sort of you know monotone for a long time right you, yes he didn't really want to stand out you know and yes. um I, I think about how I think of how many you know interesting interactions probably got missed because no one ever wanted to signal to anyone that they were a little different you know um,
2: well yeah i mean um now there's another side of that you know back then it's like you weren't trying to take photos every time you're out thing golf, it's like sure. you know there's such a fomo element to this whole thing that it can be distracting to what golf is in many ways, but yeah, yeah. you know, there was some piece about just what was a hidden gem? Well, first of all, it was hidden. <laughs> you ain't finding it by Googling hidden yeah. gem, right? Like it was not a thing. And now, you know, with this, it's like there's a lot of places that become really busy. It's hard to get out now, and, yeah. which is presents an opportunity for growth in the space, I think, um, You know, I think that every – there's going to be more courses built in the next couple of years, different types of golf experiences developed that, you know, the golfer couldn't be happier to see what's coming.
1: I I agree. And, and again, I go back. I think, you know, if there's not this social media golf underground that boils up, think of how many places would not have benefited – from some of this golf thing we've been going through. Think of how many places might have ended up having to shut their doors. Think of how many places uh, we'd never have heard of. and um, oh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's a cool thing. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, Oregon. Oregon's got a lot of interesting places out there. And where you are sort of a, um, I don't know, a ground zero, if, uh, if you will, of a lot of interesting golf brands and personas out there. What? Um, why do you think that is? What's the, what's the, what's the background there that uh, makes all this interesting stuff seem to kind of come in and around Oregon?
2: Golf on the West Coast started at Gearheart. West of the Mississippi is the first course that was built, and it was built by people from Scotland. And, you know, along the way there were sheep herders. That's where Pendleton started. And so, you know, it goes way back you have a lot of great golf coming through here. Um, You know, the biggest sporting event that happened on the West, actually on the West coast was the U S amateur at Alderwood in like 1947 or something. It was since then erased. And the runway for PDX sits there now.
1: Wow.
2: Um, Portland golf club here hosted the 1947 Ryder cup. And it was after the war and it wasn't going to come back. And they they had a, a, a grocer, Hudson, uh, something, Hudson was his name. He went and he, you know, said, I'll pay for people to come. And they came and it was one of those weeks in Oregon where it just dumps and it didn't really reflect great on it. But you got Ben Hogan out here, Sam Sneed, and they played in that. Portland Open, first tournament, I think Ben Hogan won. I could be making that up. I probably am. It's a good story either way. It sounds like a real story, (laughs) but it would be cool if it really was true. I I think he really liked Portland Golf Club. He came Uh here a bunch. Um, You know, Waverly was built, Chandler Egan, um, and that has that, you know, coming from Chicago Golf Club, coming out here. They've hosted plenty of USGA events. Um, You know, it wasn't necessarily those things that drove as many brands that that have like come about but we did end up having because of that early start on golf per capita the city of portland probably has the most golf in any city you might see the city itself has five city five courses within the city limits of portland that's 800 acres and they're there and there's really really impressive yeah for a city that size you know yeah Absolutely. Um, in 96, something really kicked things up on golf around here. You know, you had the USAM that Tiger um, won and then proceeded to go on tour. We, I caddied in it. My little brother and I caddied in that tournament. No uh, it cool. was pretty sweet. It was a big deal at Pumpkin Ridge. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like 13 years old, I think, but it was like getting to follow tiger after caddying i mean that's a pretty inspirational moment for anybody so Bannon dunes is here that helps i think a lot you know as far as developing what golf can be removing the barriers to great architecturally designed golf never really happened um price point wise they're so focused on making everything very fair that it removes a lot of the bias towards the type of people you'd see out there um, which was very skewed before all this stuff we're talking about happened. Yeah. Towards, you know, now it's very youthful, different looking people, different talking people coming through. And that, that I think, you know, Bannon is where I would rest my hat on as being the start of, obviously for Sheamus, but for this movement, it's hard to say somebody took a bolder move than that, that unanimously amongst all of these things that have upstarted drew culturally from what this walking only place um and i i will be totally okay with overstating the importance of and dudes in this all because of how i feel about it but yeah so i mean we got all these nerds here like you say jones and <laughs> jones is here for 50 years like yeah. this guy was I don't know what was going on in the 70s when he was driving a taxi cab, like deciding to make a golf bag. And, you know, Peter Jacobson is freaking great. You know, he, mm-hmm. he changed that perception also. So you have like three things coming out of here. You got, I mean, I have not even thought about this. Peter, you had Peter Jacobson to all that, Ryder Cup and also like great voice and face for golf. Mm-hmm. You've got <laughs> Bannon Dunes and you got Tiger Woods. I don't know what other you want, things you want to put in a deck of hands as to people that really influenced a forward take on golf. And it's this culture that we have here that, you know, we, we all kind of feed off of each other. There's no real other way to describe it. And it's a maker community. We have, you know, pretty wet winters, So as a golfer, you have to be pretty resilient. So you have to be the hardcore guy. And so most of these has just been passion driven businesses. Um that's about the best I can come up with as
1: to I love that. Um no, I think I think that's all dead on. And you know, I, something I always I, I often think about is um, you know, I've never been to Bandon. I'm dying to go. Like I just, you know, I think next year is gonna be the year uh our big golf gang from Tallahassee's kind of kind of penciled that in as. You know, where we're going to push our chips and you know beg our wives for forgiveness, but um, I think about what it must be like, you know, to be only a couple hours away. I mean, how how often do you go down there? It would seem like it would be an incredible attraction to you know slip down there, even if you are only going to play for a day. You know,
2: yeah, I'm um, four hour, four and a half hours away, and our family, you know, we bought some property down there when I was caddying. So in 01, um, just back behind trails in the woods there. And so it was kind of a place that became our families to go to. So we go there, not always for golf, but to hang as as well. So I'm there, you know, as, you know, as about every month.
1: That's so cool. <laughs> I just can't imagine that, you know, having that, that kind of proximity would be so cool. You know, the equivalent for me um, is stream song. You know, stream song for me is right at about five hours. Um, and where are you uh, at? I'm in Tallahassee. We're we're you know, Florida's big big state. Right. You know, right and up, up here where we are in the Panhandle is you know, there's no real like easy way to get kind of down there. Um, but you know, we hop on I-75, go down for uh you know down to Tampa, swing around through the back roads and uh you know explore through rural Polk County. But yeah, you know, I've been down there, you know, five times in I don't know, three years. And yeah, it's that's great. kind of our equivalent. And it's yeah, you know, it's it's a treat. We were I was just down there two weeks ago. And, it
2: really is a treat. And especially in Florida. Yeah. You're driving by a lot of courses that are not like stream song <laughs> to get there.
1: I laughed so hard the other day. I was walking my dog uh just we, we weren't playing, we were just out walking on the golf course. And I saw some of the older uh, guys out at our club and was talking to them. And, um, they asked me if I was, um, I, I tell you what, they were, it was a tournament, we had a little club tournament and they asked me why I wasn't playing. And I said, well, I just, I was in stream song last week. And I just, you know, with a four month old baby at home, I don't think I can get away with any more golf. Right oh,
2: there. wow. Congrats.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little baby boy at home and, uh, having fun with that so that was it was a blessing just to be able to slip away and get a stream song for a few days but um it was uh it was COVID funny baby covid oh, yeah. baby Co- oh yeah big time big time <laughs> and i got a covid book and a covid baby you know <laughs> wait that's you made yeah. very good use of that time that's exactly right so anyway i was I, one of the guys like said um, oh stream song i don't know about that place i was like what do you mean you don't know about that place this is the best place in the whole state and he said well it's not Florida golf and I said yeah that's the point <laughs> you know he's one of these older guys that doesn't really you know get out and doesn't really probably understand any of the stuff we're talking about but I'm like man that's that it's like playing golf on another planet down there it's like a total you know total escapism yeah and um yeah saw lots of your stuff in the pro shop picked up they've been these very
2: stuff. kind to stock our goods very regularly they were one of the bigger Supporters of what we're doing when we got started. Such a great spot. Yeah, give it, it is.
1: I heard some good rumors down there about the potential for a little bit more golf coming soon, which really, really excited me. Good job, uh, I won't give away all their all their secrets. But tell me, you know, you're talking about COVID. Um, what's the supply chain world been like for you? And has it affected y'all's um, your your business in a in a rough way at all? Or
2: well, if you're following golf in scotland and ireland you know by just some you know brief perusal of the news that these courses haven't been very busy Mm -hmm. uh part of it's because americans are not traveling to there but also they've had some pretty strict shutdowns and for us supply and logistics when we're talking about sourcing of materials we get you know wool we get tartans and tweeds from scotland you know in the outer hebrides we got the harris tweeds and then down in selkirk over by the border countries where the river tweed is that's where all the mills for tartan are and those Mm -hmm. are all shut down despite they were totally rural um so they got backed up and the ireland was posed for a while too so those donegal tweeds were just like we couldn't get those So we had a period of time where we couldn't get anything and we're challenged by that, which is really around the time we started working with different stuff. So like we launched um, the Sofa King Pure collection, (laughs) personal COVID baby. We've since removed Uh, that tagline because of the cease and desist we got from a golf company. Right. Yeah, it's the only one I've ever got. Okay. But uh it was very nobody cared they're like just <laughs> dude stop it all right okay. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but we printed that on the fabric that we got locally and so you know the whole thing was we started doing like these prints
1: yeah
2: um and and that was fun so we, then we launched some other stuff but you know where we really got hammered was people you know every single reason it could be hard we found you know yeah. Um, socially distancing meant working from home for a lot of people, but when you're in manufacturing, it's not possible to remotely run a sewing machine. Which we did. We actually moved industrial sewing machines into people's houses so that wow. we get them to continue sewing. And our space just we spread out. We just moved into it, and we were like, "Man, how are we going to fill this space?" Well, now we're spacing everybody out, right? So that. That was something but there was a huge transition over the past year where you know people were moving and people were looking to move to family or looking to find a new thing or there was a lot of changes whereas we'd never experienced much in the way of turnover uh quite in the way as we did during the pandemic and the problem is we train so many of our sowers, like they learn so here right so like they're they're coming in at like a very entry level role but then they're learning well this job market became difficult so we couldn't get people um and so that challenged us our ship times went to eight weeks or 10 weeks online and then we stopped in june taking orders which is like for golf shops like just flat out or july we just stopped couldn't take any mortars we were completely inundated megan came back to sew she went back to sewing and so then we basically relaunched our home operation from which we started because of the distancing and also my daughter was homeschooling so that was a interesting part of it but as two founder owners to do that thing um but we got through it
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's you know. You find a way, right? I mean, that's all you can really do. Um, You know, you just have to kind of do whatever it takes to keep, you know, keep pushing through it. But yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. So, so um, what's the year ahead look like? You think what's, what's, what are the prospects? We made so many
2: changes in our business over the last two years um, and we're going to keep making changes next year. The reality is we had to stop and go so many times that we learned that we were really in sync and we consider ourselves like when we we're telling people how to be and act we talk about being a field player at work which is just being like sensitive to what's going on and not like monotonous and you know it's just kind of our own extraction of golf into our space and so we became total field. we were all feel this yeah. last couple years and you know what that does is if you go full field player mode it means you're what think about golf like you're thinking of timing like you got to have perfect timing otherwise you're just going to be spraying it or doing whatever and so the mechanics the underlying mechanics of our business didn't scale with the rest of it Hmm. so i don't like my you know i'm a cpa ultimately and uh for me what the transitions we've made changing our everything, you know, rolling out new systems. It's just been a really businessy year. And next year is going to be the same thing for me. However, it'll be the first year in two years, three years, I'll be returning to some of the creative side of it, which I hope happens at some point. But as time goes on, I'm finding that they're doing really well without me. (laughs) That's a good
1: problem to have, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, they've done some things that are pretty remarkable. Uh, And when I say they, I'm talking about a couple of folks specifically, but, you know, that have been really close to the design side and then, you know, manufacturing, like Megan stepped out of that. She got back out of it in August, but there was three months where we were both knee deep in it. It was anyways. Hmm. Yeah. uh... Yeah.
1: That's cool though. So, you know, when you talk about some of the things that maybe get your creativity going, what what kind of things do you look to nowadays to get you fired up?
2: Well, um, one of my favorite additions to golf is this interest at the level of people like that are into like street culture, you know, just the concepts that are coming from there within golf, like that, you know, there's these really cool brands that are really taking an interest in golf. You can talk about it in in terms of Jordan, right? Yeah. What they do with footwear. I think that this is an exciting area because the authenticity from this subculture is moving into golf and it's doing really well with it because there's so many things that are synonymous um, that makes so much sense. You know, I, I just love when we nail it with our product and we tell a great story and communicate a good good piece um, and, you know, things that inspire people. So, you know, for that reason, I think that there's a lot of great stories to tell um, in golf. And, you know, as far as what's going to happen when you have these street culture coming into golf is you're really chipping away at the notions in golf that protect people from playing it Mm -hmm. um and and so we as an authentic brand to what golf is supposed to be or at least that's our focus we may not always get it done right but that's our focus and we can be there now closer to when somebody's starting And getting into it and embrace their journey, be part of what they do in golf and kind of encourage them to be closer to the types of golf and learning how to experience it when they go home. So, like a little walking carry bag to lighter head covers that are designed right. And so, I get really excited about what we can do for these new golfers that are coming.
1: Yeah, that's good. It's not just selling
2: tartans or. You know, we never used to sell Aloha print and and you know these camos and these Pendleton styles like they never actually sold until like two or three years ago. Nobody would even buy them. We would just put them up and it was almost like for us. And then, but now you have people that understand and are really into fashion and get this type of stuff, but also want to differentiate. So we have an opportunity to like we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. What you know? And that's your um, optimism coming out that you probably get from me no matter what. But yeah, there's some, I get really excited about that. There's so many golf courses being built too, you know, that when we can connect with what's going on there, St. Patrick's Links is one that I'm very proud of that we got to be associated with the branding process. That's awesome. Uh, The guys at Renaissance started it out, and then we kind of fine tuned it with our designer, Chad DeWild.
1: Really? So did y'all do the the, the logo design with the snake? Um, the snake SP. Um, yeah. And, and, and,
2: you know, that was just a relationship with the Casey family. They've been such great friends for so much time. Megan and I and our family yeah. have been there a few times. We just, as far as authenticating us, that was a great opportunity. This was going to be the only new course built in Ireland probably ever. And <laughs> That's tom doke cool. had never done it and yeah i went my
1: chops on Pack dunes
2: so it was just really cool to be part of that
1: that is cool really cool um well that's exciting man Will i see you uh at the show this year Um trying to figure that out i don't think we're
2: going to exhibit as a booth mm-hmm. um, but there's so many good things going on and the link soul guys i think are doing an event on that tuesday at winter park so okay, you know if i go i'd like to get out there and then i've got some friends but if for some reason i do go i would love to see you
1: yeah uh, i'll be there connect. i uh i'm looking forward to it i'm going to try to you know infiltrate with my media press and uh yeah. walk a few bucks around and <laughs> should. see some familiar faces man. what are you gonna
2: do with the books i mean i i mean i can i mean what, what can I do to help with oh, hey. distributing this message? I mean, should we put it on our site or we? I would love That's that. That's like just a that. pretty mediocre step. Like if you have an excerpt, I'd just love to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: well, I'll, I'll, send, I'll send I remember you reading
2: your piece on St. Andrews like a while ago and we were supposed to post it. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know if we did or not.
1: Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember what it. was. I seem to remember that we were we were going back and forth on some stuff. You're
2: writing so good.
1: I, like, I appreciate it.
2: You know, it's just like
1: cool stuff. So
2: I, yeah. I just can't wait to read that. I mean, well, cool I
1: I'm, I pre- pretty that means the world, season. man. I'm I'm thrilled about it, and it's um, you know, it's one of those things when you get a chance to open it, and feel it in your hands, you're like, okay, well, this, this is kind of cool. And yeah. uh, Starting to get some good early feedback from people, which is very exciting, but yeah, I would, I mean, I would love to get, you know, hooked up to where, um, know we can do something kind of cross promote a little bit, and maybe that gives us a good thing to, you know, sit and chat about when we go to the PGA show here in a few weeks.
2: Well, yeah, that would be great.
1: I love it. I love it. Akbar, this has been a real delight, man. Um, wonderful, wonderful to chat with you. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here looking at the clock, knowing I'm going, well, about time to go pick up the kids from daycare here on the East. Okay. So, uh, I better get to that, but um, I hope we can do this again soon. And I'll get with you, man. We would love to do something, you know, to collaborate on the book. I mean, you know, anytime I can uh, stand in your light, I'm, I'm I'm doing something right. Well, thank you
2: for thinking of me for this little podcast, but also I can't wait to see your success and, do what we can to help see that happen. Cool, man. Know.
1: Well, I'll, uh, I'll circle back on that. Uh, you guys keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully, we can get out and hit it again sometime soon.
2: Yes, please. That All would right. be great.
1: Good deal, man. Thanks again. Great show. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.